Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios in downtown Milwaukee, it's Wisconsin's Midday News, making stories come to life. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Matzik and Jessica Ty. Well, here we go. Now we get to officially launch Wisconsin's Midday News. Very excited to be alongside Jessica Ty. I am back from a little family vacation. More on the Southwest Airlines boarding procedures coming up a little later <laughs> in the show. Uh, but After a good... what you notice, taking a flight down to Florida, yeah, right? Some interesting stuff, yes. But getting back from Florida, no real issues there. Good to enjoy a few days in the sun. Come back to some pretty decent weather here. Uh, but excited more than anything, Jessica, to launch this new show officially with you and our producer, Aaron Pelican. I heard a little bit of what you guys did on Monday and Tuesday. Sounded great. And looking forward to continuing. Yeah, we had some packed shows, so here we go, middle of the work week, and uh, we're we're off and running. Happy to have you here, Greg. We certainly are off and running. A lot of things we're covering this afternoon, this morning, I should say. And now it's time for three big things on Wisconsin's midday news. So we start with Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley. So she's not bowing out of the race. Some of you perhaps a few of you in the media, came here today to see if I'm dropping out of the race. Well, I'm not. So she's staying in the race, Jessica, but according to the latest polls... She may not need to. Yeah, I mean, analysts are saying there is basically no way for her to reach the GOP nomination. They're talking math. They're, they're looking at the numbers, and they're saying there's no way. But but this has been her stance from the get-go. She has said, I am staying in. I am not going to be Donald Trump's running mate. That's been her stance from the get-go. And, of course, I mean, how do you not say that? Because you can't run for one thing and then just say, eh, but if it doesn't work out, maybe I'd do this. I mean, it's it's not a smart move, right? So we get it. But yep, Haley says she's still she's she's going on. She's vowing to carry on beyond South Carolina primary, of course, that's her home state, and then Super Tuesday, which is coming up on March fifth. And a reminder to those in South Carolina from Haley. In a general election, you're given a choice. In a primary, you make your choice. Make your voices heard today, tomorrow. And on Saturday. Haley is vowed to stay on through the primary and through Super Tuesday, which is March 5th. One of our other big things today, first of its kind ruling. This is really big. Alabama Supreme Court says frozen embryos are children. And there's a second part here. And those who destroy them can be held liable for wrongful death. Now, this is a ruling, if you think about it, that could have a massive impact on infertility treatments. And a lot more people these days, a lot more families are going that route. Uh, This basically, it it covers a decision. The decision does not ban IVF, but it's the first known case in which a U.S. court says frozen embryos are children. And it'll be interesting to see, okay, this is the Alabama Supreme Court, but will other states follow suit? So this could have a big implication on families down the road. When life begins, that's a national discussion, and, and Alabama has tried to define it. And finally, Deutsche Bank analysts highlighted that the Magnificent Seven's combined market cap alone would make it the second largest country stock exchange in the world. Just seven behemoths of the tech world, right? It's Amazon, it's Apple, Alphabet, Meta, Microsoft, NVIDIA, and Tesla. And they're doing all the heavy lifting here for the other S&P 500 stocks, the other 493. The only non-U.S. G20 countries, Japan and China, have greater profits than just these seven behemoths alone pretty amazing stuff the power of the seven yeah the power of the seven and you talk about tesla big things there except i did you see recently they had those those cars those new trucks that when they were in the rain had little rusty spots Uh oh, that's not good news for tesla have that a tesla (laughs) recall is not good either been a few of those certainly the rise in artificial intelligence that led to an incredible 2023 things have cooled off a little bit with the magnificent seven but ai is certainly not going away just beginning really absolutely interesting stuff here keeping our eye on a variety of things throughout the course of the day today here on wisconsin's midday dues abc's jay o'brien is going to join us next Sanctions against Russia, what will they be after they've been declared, but sort of veiled? We'll dive into that coming up in just a couple of minutes. 11.14 on WTMJ. (laughs) 
Well, the White House will announce new major sanctions on Friday to hold Russia accountable for the death of Alexei Navalny, a longtime Russian opposition politician. He's a critic of Russian President Vladimir Putin. What this ends up becoming, I think, is still a little bit unclear. We wanted to welcome in ABC's Jay O'Brien is covering the story. Hey, Jay, thanks so much for joining us. Any light shed on what this major sanctions package will include? I think unclear is still a good way of describing it because we're getting a little bit of detail, but it's broad. So I'll give you an example. So National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan uh, talked about this yesterday. He said, firstly, these sanctions are going to coincide with the two-year anniversary of the start of of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But obviously, they are ramped up because of the ongoing complications when it comes to Russia. First and foremost, the death of Alexei Navalny. And also, don't forget that U.S. intelligence that we've got sources is telling us, remember it came out last week, that it relates to Russia's desire to put a nuclear capability into space and use it to potentially, in a conflict, target satellites. So with all of that in mind, Jake Sullivan says this package, as you noted, is going to be, the word he used is substantial. He also said it's, quote, going to cover a range of different elements of the Russian defense industrial base and sources of revenue for the Russian economy. So look, they say it's going to be substantial. It's another move from the White House against Russia uh, for a number of different reasons. But also, don't forget, this administration has been leveling a lot of sanctions at Russia since the war in Ukraine. And while it's had an impact, the administration says, Russia is still able to fund this war and still has a a functioning economy. And so you have to question what kind of impact in a widespread sense these sanctions have had. EU members just approved, uh, what is it now, the 13th package of Ukraine-related sanctions against Russia today. Does, does that play any part when you see others saying, hey, we're doing this? I think it, to a degree. It, the other aspect of this, too, is that there's always going to be these efforts somewhat happening in tandem because they often respond. You know, sanctions are always a response in typical to something that happened. And so we're not certain that these sanctions would have just come down on the two-year anniversary of the start of the conflict anyway, but certainly they were thrust into further attention because of Alexei Navalny's death, which Navalny family fully blames on Putin, A, because Putin is the one who imprisoned Navalny, but B, they say the FSB has something to do with this. Um, uh, But the question then becomes, if the White House is saying these are substantial, right, if the EU is doing their own package too, does it break through and does it really get the attention, not necessarily of the Russian government, um, because what is going to get their attention, but of the Russian people. That's so often what sanctions are targeted at, right, to have the people recognize that there was a consequence to the actions of their government. Uh, and the question becomes, has, has that really cut through in the years that there already have been sanctions on Russia? ABC's Jay O'Brien. Jay, finally, how vital is this for Ukraine? It's vital for Ukraine in that it demonstrates the U.S. is still paying attention to this issue. But what Ukrainian officials have said they really want is that aid for them in their defense against Russia that is tied up in Congress. I've got colleagues of mine in Ukraine right now who have been reporting that Ukrainian officials are referencing the U.S. Congress directly and saying they need ammunition, they need artillery shells, they need things that are currently being hamstrung because Congress hasn't improved an aid package. Speaking of Congress, it's wild to me because we're talking about all this important stuff. And Congress on recess right now, winter recess. Yeah, they are on vacation. And then they come back next week, and they only have a few days next week to avert a government shutdown by the beginning of March, also pass this Ukraine package, also do everything else that everybody wants Congress to do. So, yes, Congress does not work the same schedule that you and I do. ABC's Jay O'Brien. Appreciate your time today, Jay. Thanks, guys. It is 1124. A lot of you thinking about lunch right now. Maybe some of you heading out uh, to go out to eat. Well, this is some great news for the city of Milwaukee. Milwaukee just named one of 2024's hottest dining restaurants. This is from Eater, which is a source that a a lot of foodies check out, a lot of people um, who are really in dining, you know, the people who are running the restaurants, the chefs always pay attention to this. I'm not surprised by this because I think Milwaukee is fantastic when it comes to restaurants. A lot of people think of L.A. or New York or other spots or even Vegas as big foodie spots. But Milwaukee in recent years has really become a fantastic food city. And a lot of the people, they they talk about the new restaurants that we have, the food truck scene, which that's a lot of fun, too. The deep German roots we have, the global cuisine. 
And Greg, I really like this one, the casual culinary attitude. Where you can wear jeans to wherever you want to go, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> right? it's that's so part of it. true. I remember coming back, I think maybe when I, I went to school out of state or I, I was traveling for work around the state, and I'd come back and I'd say, my mom and I would be out for the day, and then we'd go out to dinner, and I'd say, oh, shoot, but I'm in jeans. And she'd say, Jessica, it's Milwaukee. You can wear jeans. So you always look nice. I mean, if you're yeah. coming in tattered, that that's one thing. But you're right. It is I mean, of course, I love to dress up to go out to eat, but it's nice that you can roll in and in, in jeans and pretty much go anywhere in Milwaukee, right? I think that's a big point. So I, I think that, it, and the larger point is that great food doesn't have to come with a high cost. Yes, right. It's delicious, incredible food made, whether it's a food truck or just see you know, sort of a fast casual place. Our, our good friend Adam Pollock runs Egg and Flour. It's a fast casual pasta bar. It's fantastic. It's unbelievable. But it is casual. It's got more of that Chipotle vibe. You walk in, you order at the counter, they bring it to you. It's ready relatively quick, and you're enjoying yourself. But, but you still get good food. Yeah, and just think about some of the great pizza places we have here in the city of Milwaukee. And some of them are just sort of tavern style. They've been around for decades. Zafiro's, yeah, on the yeah. east side. I mean, that's a big one. The other thing that I took note of was they also mentioned the low cost of living here in Milwaukee and how that's attracting creative chefs and allowing them to take risks. And I think that's so important that they feel that they can take risks. And one restaurant that I thought of for that was, it's a newer one. It's 1033 MKE. It's on First Street in Milwaukee. They have shared plates. They've got a raw bar. Very cool spot. I I think there are only 13 seats there, maybe 15 seats. But I went there for New Year's Eve, and they had this, it's going to sound bizarre, but it was a a five-course menu based off Snoop Dogg. I mean, how creative is that? (laughs) But it worked, and they packed the place for the two two times that they had, and I know they did something similar, not 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 for Snoop Dogg, but they did something very similar with a five-course meal with a very unique theme for Valentine's Day as well. I feel like that's an example of a restaurant doing something very unique, very sure. different, and taking a risk. Yeah, be careful when you get to the brownie plate there on the uh, Snoop Dogg menu. No doubt about that. Be <laughs> yeah, cautious. Maybe. Just be cautious. Family boarding on Southwest. I, I have a story to tell coming up after the 1130 news. Uh, just a bit of my travel experience uh, over the last 24 hours or so. Time for news about your money. WTMJ Annex Wealth Management market update. The Dow currently down about 73 points at 38,490. NASDAQ also down kind of big today, 125 points at 15,506. S&P 500 also down today about 15 points at 49,60. For sound financial advice from a fiduciary, it's Annex Wealth Management. Check out AnnexWealth.com. Greg Madsen, Jessica, time with you. It's Wisconsin's Midday News on WTMJ. So I'm back from Florida. Yes, rub it in, rub it in. He comes in with a tan, all refreshed, ready to go. Uh, yeah, I I mean, I, I, this time yesterday I was having a cocktail at lunch, and it was enjoyable. Yeah, <laughs> so nice. All right, so we flew southwest. Okay. And, and it's amazing to me to watch people and, and their level of angst when it comes to the southwest boarding process. Because as you know, you got to be hovering over your check-in button. Like, as soon as you hit the 24-hour mark, boom, you want to check in as fast as possible. And invariably, you'll check in the minute you can, the absolute first minute you are allowed to do so within the system, and you'll still find yourself somewhere in the back end of the B group or C group in boarding. That's because the well, because A list preferred. And, A lot of people right. pay to get those A spot seats. They pay extra. So the benefit for us traveling is that we had our two young daughters with us. So I have a 9-year-old and a 7-year-old. So we had the benefit of family boarding. That's nice. It so helps. that allows you to board between the A and B group. So it, it's kind of like an automatic boarding upgrade by just having two young children with you. And the idea is that you'd like to sit with your family. Our two daughters would much prefer to be near mom and dad, at least for now. I was going to say, wait until they're a little bit older. They're I like, mom and dad, we'll go five rows back. We're so, good. So it, it calls to question, how old is too old for your child to be included into family boarding. Because as I'm standing there just sort of taking survey of all the other families, okay. and look, it, it's an event for some families, right? I mean, <laughs> there's car seats, there are things, that, there's toys, so there's four bags stuff. and a stroller. It's like, my goodness, I, I've been there, and thankfully we're no longer there. Our girls are very self-sufficient. But as I'm looking next to me, uh, there was a, a mother and two daughters traveling. I presume there were two daughters of hers. And my thought process was everybody in this family standing right next to me can drive. So you're thinking, eh, they're too old. They should be waiting. I'm thinking one was borderline 2021 because she had a college backpack on. Okay, I agree with you there. 
And then there was another, I would say, younger daughter. They, they, they looked very similar. The one clearly appeared to be younger to me, and clearly they looked enough alike to be sisters to me. But I'm guessing she was somewhere in high school, 16 to 18. That was my guess. I think that's fair. Does that qualify for family boarding? I feel like the 16-year-old does. But then the other thing is, okay, well, if you have a 16-year-old and then the other young lady who's in college, I mean, that seems a little bit old, but it's also part of your family, so shouldn't the family be able to go? I'll be honest with you, though. I don't want to board that plane until the last second if I don't have to. I don't want to sit on the plane for any longer than I need to. But I understand that some people, you want to get the kids all situated. You want to get your bags in the right spot. But I am happy to be the last one on the plane. Okay, so if you're solo flying Southwest, that could work to your benefit. Because you might find one of those, you know, first five-row middle seats or whatever available because you're a single. Right? But if you're traveling with a group... Now it's like, well, geez, we got to figure out a way to stay together. It was very borderline to me. Yes, that was a family boarding. I get that. I felt like they were kind of stretching it a little bit. I think so. I think that's fair. If you could all drive, is it still family boarding? I guess technically, yes. I don't know what Southwest has in place to sort of, you know, combat against older family members or if there's a shutoff or if you're off mom and dad's insurance, you could no longer board as a family. (laughs) What are the rules there? Here's the funny thing. This is this is kind of a fun fact that not everybody will know, but I, I fly standby a lot. So that basically means that you don't have a book ticket and you don't have you're, you're not B20 standing in line. So you're just waiting to make sure that there's a seat on the plane. So I remember the first time that I did that on Southwest, I thought I'm going to be like the Z zone. And sure enough, I mean, it, I think it was D55, <laughs> the last one on the plane. But so you're got, like in the bathroom at that point. But you know what? No, I lucked out with a fantastic seat because it is just kind of a crapshoot in a way, depending on how people sit and where they want to sit. And sometimes there's a older couple, a husband and wife, who they actually want to sit next to each other. So I'm like, fantastic. I'll take the aisle. I, I, I prefer a window seat until the... That door plug. Well, well yeah, there's that. Now, now I have a second <laughs> there's guess that. that. Yes, but, there's yeah. that whole thing. I don't mind the Southwest boarding process. I really don't. Uh, but I can see the angst that some people have with how it's designed. And in some cases, you may not have a better option than a Southwest flight. I like Southwest. I have no issues with Southwest. I prefer Delta. I really like JetBlue as well. Um, there's a lot I of great carriers. JetBlue much. So that's interesting to know. And I'll, after the show, I'll have to take you up on why you like JetBlue so much. Mostly going to be on your out east travel. There you go. Uh, or even to Florida, because JetBlue is huge in Boston, and the Boston Red Sox play spring training baseball in Florida. So they actually have a, a JetBlue Fenway South kind of connection thing down in Florida. It's very interesting how they triangulate all that. I tend to prefer Delta, but that's because I have a family connection. Yes. <laughs> Clearly understand that. Absolutely. Delta is uh, one of the best companies to work for, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago. Number 10, I believe, on the yeah, latest right list by there. Forbes. It's 1142 on WTMJ. Hey, dog owners, you are going to want to stick around for this. An anti-aging pill for your pup? It's a thing, and it's coming to Wisconsin. We'll tell you about it after this. You have an older dog, correct? I do. Dog named Baxter, not named after the Baxter and Anchorman, though I did enjoy that movie. Okay. He is going to be 13 in August. Yeah, what kind of dog is Baxter? He's a Cocker Spaniel, so he is probably considered a medium-sized breed, but okay. I, I know where you're going with this. Actually, I'll just let you okay. go. <laughs> How much does Baxter weigh, roughly? Ooh, well, he just went to the vet on Friday, and he was down to 30 pounds because okay. we put him on a... a a low-sodium diet, and he doesn't love it. So he's normally about 32 pounds or so, but he's down to 30. So Baxter is eligible for the first-ever anti-aging drug for dogs. It's the first of its kind. It's called Loyal. A first-of-its-kind anti-aging drug is in the works with one goal in mind. Extend the life of your beloved dog. So it reached a key milestone recently to the point where now 55 clinics are going to participate and there will be one clinic in Milwaukee, excuse me, Reedsburg, so a little west of Madison, okay. a little south of Madison, north of Madison, out near Madison. There's a clinic in, in Reedsburg that is signed on to be among the group. 55 clinics across the country will participate. So here are the benchmarks. The drug is called, uh, it's in the STAY clinical trial. It's designed for dogs 10 and older who weigh more than 14 pounds. Okay. So my dog would not be eligible for this. And you this. have a greyhound, correct? We have uh, a four-year-old greyhound. He's about 78 pounds. He is a big dog. Uh, he's extremely fast. He is also very young feeling and looking, right? 
he has not really showed signs of aging. But the first dog to test the, uh, this out is an 11-year-old Whippet from Pennsylvania. His name is Boo. Boo. And he's a competitive dog. He still does some of the like agility training. Whippets, like greyhounds, are very fast, so getting him out and running is a thing. And the name of the product is called Loyal. And Boo is the first dog to give it a shot. And the hope is that they could have After Advil. Feeling better? On top of the world! Before Advil. Advil targets pain at the source of inflammation. When pain comes for you, come back fast with Advil liquid gels. This message sponsored by Advil. Uh, Not Loyal. I don't know if you can give your dog Advil, but nonetheless. So Loyal is working out a, a few different options here for your pup. There is LOY-001. This is an implant being developed specifically for larger dogs. And it's nowhere near where this daily tablet has gone, and there's still a lot of steps in the process for getting that up and running. There is a larger dog option that will help drive cell growth. It's more of a hormone kind of thing. But they're just trying to find ways to extend the life of your dog. Here's the thing. I think from the get-go... Most dog owners would say, how fantastic, right? A dog becomes a part of your family. It's like a kid. So you think, yes, right away. I, I, of course I want to have my dog live longer. But then I wonder, more questions pop up because it's like, yes. I mean, I want my little Baxter around the longest possible. And I think about that right now because he's going to be 13 and he's got congestive heart failure right now, even though he's he's still really good and he's on five different medicines. But at some point, it's like, you want to make sure that they're healthy and that they're feeling okay and that we're not just extending their life for five more years just because we we want them to be there. Well, sure. So I, and I'm curious to see where this goes. There are 55 clinics across the country participating in this program. And the, the clinic in Reedsburg has not been identified yet. If you go to the website here, it says coming soon, yes. Reedsburg. So we're going to effort to reach out to those people once we do understand We'll get Aaron Pelican, our, our our producer here, on it. I don't know how many veterinary clinics there are in Reedsburg. I'm guessing we could dial it in. <laughs> but I'd be very curious to know why they're taking the plunge. What gives them the confidence that this could work? And patients, I guess technically, or the, the, the family members of the patient, would be interested in testing out for their dog. We had an 18-year-old rat terrier. It was my wife's first dog. Aww. She got it right after college. Uh, who passed away a couple of years ago. We had to put her down. It just it, it was not working anymore. Uh, but 18, 18 years old she was. That just an amazing wild. life for the dog. So um, I also wonder about muscular strength and things like that. Like what happens to their mind when you get to that age? That's and, what I'm you know, saying. I just feel like at some point, does it make sense for the dog? That's the big question for sure. me. But w- when you just say it, hey, have your dog take a pill and, and live longer? Yes, fantastic. I want that. But there are many more questions to be had yet. Well, it is in the works, and uh, we'll effort to follow up to this story. But very interesting stuff here. Loyal, a first-of-its-kind anti-aging drug, is in the works. We are on Satellite Watch here on WTMJ. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you Space need to hang out. Space junk falling. Space junk is falling, and we're on the clock here. It's 11.52. All right, so the headline grabs your attention here. A 5,000-pound satellite is expected to fall to Earth this week. Oh, God. Space junk is falling. Uh, Today. It's supposed to land today. So uh, the EAS, ERS, I should say, ERS-2 satellite predicted to make its way to the Earth at 1132. (laughs) What are we doing here? There's a a four-and-a-half-hour window of uncertainty. Okay. So the exact time the satellite's re-entry, it remains unclear. I don't know. Apparently the solar activity is unpredictable. Aaron, do we know? Has this thing fallen yet? Has it made its way to Earth? So the latest update is 13 minutes ago. It says the ERS-2 is currently passing New Zealand. Next stop, Antarctica. <laughs> it's like when you're tracking Santa. <laughs> it really is. It's, yeah, the tracks, NORAD track Santa thing. All right, so here's what I find amazing. And this stuff happens throughout the course of the year, right? This is not a brand new story, and holy cow. But it never ceases to amaze me. That a 5,000-pound satellite... What do we say? It's like the size of a small well, rhino? It's like a Kia just falling out of the sky, and it's just going to shrivel up? Like, what? It's going to bust into little pieces, but okay. hopefully in the ocean, and it doesn't hurt any people. We're not sure about the, the life under the sea there, though. 
around 50 miles above the Earth's surface, the satellite is expected to break apart, and the majority of fragments will just burn up in the atmosphere. That is insane. All right, I'll never think about that again. Like <laughs> That is just preposterous to me that this stuff just sort of happens. It is built and designed, this satellite, to hover around and float and capture imagery in space and teach us what's new, what we don't know. And then it runs out of fuel and just sort of poof, crashes back to Earth and dissolves before it even reaches orbit. Well, and it's think insane. about the person tracking it, too. It's like all of a sudden, you know, you keep an eye on this, keeping an eye on this, and it's like your car running out of gas. Oh, okay, we've got, like, what, one week left until this thing comes crashing down, and then you have to alert alert the media, as they would say, alert the public. They have stats out and studies show the chances of an individual person being injured by space debris each year is less than one in 100 billion. In other words, your so chance you of win winning the lottery, the lottery are yeah. more significant, or better, I should say, than getting struck by a piece of space junk. And your chances of getting hit by lightning, I believe, are higher than winning the lottery. Oh, yes, right. Yeah, put it all into the same world. Um, I just find it amazing that this massive 5,000-pound satellite, it, it is a small vehicle, could just fall from the sky, and there's no trace of it. And experts do believe, yeah, if anything kind of falls off or or ends up falling to the uh, the Earth's surface, it'll likely end up in the water. I assume that's because 75% of the Earth yes, is water. Yes, most likely to fall in the water, and, and I think we'll take that. That would be the best bet. So we're tracking it. We're, we're tracking that space jump. Oh, yeah. By this time tomorrow, it should have dropped. Oh, yeah. Hopefully by the end of the show. We'll have an update in about 40 minutes. Aaron, you're on this one, right? Oh, yeah, I got it. And actually, it says uh, likely to avoid uh, landing over any populated areas. That's as of 51 minutes ago. Well, what would be landing? I still don't understand. Yeah, it beats what, me. <laughs> the Just gas tank? The, like, well, what is it? The tiny little particles. The fragments? All right. Got that. Look forward to today. 5,000-pound satellite expected to crash into Earth. But... Really not supposed to crash into anything because it'll just, I don't know, disintegrate. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios in downtown Milwaukee, it's Wisconsin's Midday News, making stories come to life. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Matzik and Jessica Ty. Happy Wednesday to one and all. I am back. Little family trip to Florida. We are back here for the official launch of Wisconsin's Midday News. Alongside Jessica Ty, you, you're kind of a veteran on this show now. It's, it's I'm new here. <laughs> no, it's like a, it's like I'm starting all over again. You got you got the new host, but you're not the new host because you have been here for is it 21 years? Has it been that long that you've been with TMJ? About then? August of 2001 is when I was hired. Oh wow! Producing the Greenhouse with Jonathan Green. That was my first job ever at WTMJ. See, and a lot of listeners will be like, "I remember that." That's I don't great. know how I survived all that, but I, I did. I love that you grew up with the <laughs> listeners here. Absolutely. No, this with is, you. It's special. This has, been, this has been home. Aaron Pelican producing the program today and a handful of stories that we're following this afternoon. Now at noon on Wisconsin's Midday News. So, Jessica, new Marquette University law poll finds confidence in the U.S. Supreme Court is declining. It's been on a relatively steady decline here over the last couple of years. Yeah, that's right. Forty percent of adults surveyed approve of the job being performed by the U.S. Supreme Court, but that's only 40 percent. And that's down seven percent from a year ago. The poll was conducted earlier this month. They surveyed more than a thousand adults across the country. And the, the party split is what really jumps out in this one. Also, not a shock, though. The country is still very split as it is. 57% of Republicans surveyed approve of the U.S. Supreme Court. 27% of Democrats surveyed approve. There will be another poll out in probably a month or so. There's going to be all sorts of these leading up to the election. It's 1,000 people. I always wonder about, you know, just is that a true representation of the entire country? The pollsters say that, yes, it is, and they've got all the research to back it. Um, But, yes, it's been on a relatively steady decline over the last couple of years. Number two, the U.S. Secret Service reveals its broad security zone for the summer's RNC, the Republican National Convention, of course, happening in downtown Milwaukee. And this is something... We've been waiting to see what yeah, is the exact I, absolutely. zone Absolutely. This Anybody who makes downtown Milwaukee a part of their day for work, for lunch, for whatever, you'll likely be affected by this at some level. So this is a 7 by 10 block. It's a broad security zone in downtown Milwaukee. It's going to run from North 9th Street to Water Street. That'll be the east-west. And West Clybourne on the south to West Cherry Street on the north. So that's just one zone. There's also going to be an inner city zone. And this is not to mean, you know, 
areas of Milwaukee that are more challenged. It's more as you get tighter to Pfizer Forum. Yes, like the middle. A higher security zone. zone. Now you're talking about credentials for entry. There's also the matter of an overall security plan for the convention, which will be unveiled over time. Chief Jeffrey Norman expects to have a hard zone and a soft zone. Right? I, I don't know. Can we get to work? That's my big question. Can we get into the Third Street Market Hall? There's going to be events here. I would have to imagine. Will we need a credential? I think everyone, every single person is going to have to be credentialed. But the other thing, too, you have people listening right now who are saying, I'm not going to be here. I'm getting out of Dodge. Yeah, it could be. There, yeah. there are a lot of people who are saying we're taking vacation at this time. Or there's some other people, too, who are trying to capitalize on it, make a little bit of money, and are renting their homes because they know other people will need to be staying here during the RNC. So, man, it's going to be a busy time. We're so, looking forward to it. So, so step one, I, I would say this is uh, several more steps involved in a comprehensive security plan for July's RNC. And finally, the Wisconsin State Fair announces another headliner. Hey, what's your baby mama at the crib and blow back out? What do you know about Young Gravy, Jessica? <laughs> I know this song because I know his name, and I was thinking, what songs are they? Do I know them? I do know the song. He's a UW-Madison alum, so that's exciting. Young Gravy going to take the main stage on August 3rd. The best kind of gravy? Indeed, Young Gravy. Isn't it, though? <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> Gravy has a passion for soul music, as you can hear here. Oldies, too. Sampling a wide range of musical styles dating from the 1940s to the present day. So it kind of gives you a variety I think a lot of people will like. He's a bit of a sampler, right? I mean, this is, you know, a Rick Ansley song that he's sort of sampling in the background. Never going to give you up, right? That's right. For if you listen to it, you can in. hear it. Yep. Yeah, so he's having his own fun. He'll be on stage with pop newcomer Nikki Yor. She'll open the show at 7.30. Tickets go on sale Friday at 10 a.m. Check out Wisconsin, or excuse me, WISTateFair.com. We're going to be there, right? Wisconsin State Fair is a staple of the WTMJ summer. It runs August 1st through the 11th. We look forward to that. It'll be here before you know. It's now at noon on WTMJ. Hotels, bars, and restaurants in downtown Milwaukee are just days away from participating in active shooter training. Join us live in the studio this afternoon to give us a scoop on all of this is Sergeant Joe Shearing of the Milwaukee Police Department and Beth Weirich, CEO of the Milwaukee Downtown Business Improvement District. Thank you both. I know you're both incredibly busy people, so we appreciate you taking time out for us today. Well, thank you for the interview. We're excited to be here. So we all understand the importance of being prepared for an active shooter in 2024. Unfortunately, that's where we are, not only in the state, the country, but around the world. But why are you doing this particular training with this group? And why now? Well, this is something that's been going on since December when Beth and I kind of started having meetings together and working together. Um, so I'm currently in charge of the uh, Code Red area, which is the bars, the downtown entertainment area for District 1. Um, I've been doing this now for about a year. And one thing that I've noticed that I kind of wanted to get out was to get some more information in regards for like the response for like active shooters or even to help out even with um, like first aid type stuff. I mean, you know, the police can do so much, but also it makes it better when we work together as a community. Everybody's on the same page and it's something that we can help prevent and lessen as best as we can. Did you find that our bars, restaurants and hotels had a plan? Some of them do. Some of them do. Um, it's been, it's been a working thing. And, um, so it's, it's, it's just something that's been kind of developing and trying to perfect, I guess you could say, and trying to make it work better. You know, Beth, we've seen the areas that you're talking about, uh, Joe, especially down near Water Street. We've seen this change over the years, right? That used to be a place fun to hang out and it still can be, but there is a, a larger law enforcement presence on Water Street than there really ever has been. There's more blocked roads. There's more, uh, horses with, Policemen or women mounted on the horses to try and control what's happening. When did you recognize this as a, a step that needed to be taken in connecting with MPD? Yeah, we've been working with MPD on a whole variety of issues, as you can imagine, resurrecting the mounted horse patrol. Um, we've participated in active shooter and see something, say something training for like the last probably seven to eight years. Our organization has been really heavily involved in promoting and creating a strong framework for our nighttime economy. We know how important it is 
to our city, this economy, it's the fourth largest economy in the city. One in every 11 jobs in the city of Milwaukee is in the hospitality industry. So this is something we've been really proactively engaged with, the creation of Code Red, responsible entertainment deployment, really proactively establishing these relationships with our businesses. Our, our cops on the street are phenomenal. And this, this whole training that Sergeant leads up with the Code Red initiative is really about engagement with visitors and residents in our city and creating a safe and friendly and welcoming environment and really being proactively present. You know, in this day and age, as much as we want to bury our head in the sand and think everything's going to be perfect, there's really challenges. It's, it's interesting because the, on the question that you asked about why do this now, um, it's something we had planned before this most recent incident in Kansas City, which was so unfortunate. Yes. But even when we were sending this message out, I'm not going to mention the name of the individual, but, but they said, thank you for conducting this event. I don't necessarily look forward to it, but I do look forward to feeling a sense of preparedness I wouldn't have otherwise. That's so important. And, and who are, I mean, this is voluntary. I know you send out an invite and say, would you like to be a part of this? So who said yes? I mean, what what are the, the groups that are saying, you know what, we've got to do this and we want to do this? Yeah, I, I, I found, you know, our locally owned bars and restaurants are phenomenal individuals. This is their bread and butter. This is their own money that they that they are building in their establishments and their businesses and supporting family jobs in our community. And they are very engaged. So it's our bars. It's our restaurants. It's from the. Uh, Old World 3rd Street Entertainment District. It's Water Street. It's bars in the Jefferson Street area. We've invited bars from Brady Street and the historic 3rd Ward. Bars and restaurants in our hotels. Uh, Wisconsin Center District will have participation in this. And, and I'm so glad, and hopefully we never need this, right? But to get in front of it, to prepare people as best as we can, and hopefully never have to worry about using it is really our goal. Joe, it also allows you and your team an opportunity to connect with business owners and people who work at these businesses in downtown. They're trying to stay afloat. They're trying to do the right thing. It allows you a great touch point with so many in the community that to kind of help build that sense or, or further build that sense of community. Absolutely. And actually, my time over working with Code Red, um, that's one of the big things that, that I usually try to get across. I've, I've met with pretty much all of the business owners that I'm kind of in charge of or in looking over also with their staff members too. So, I mean, we build this rapport and this is also with my officers as well. We build that rapport so that they feel comfortable, come talk to us. We want that good relationship, you know, because just like I mentioned earlier, it's us working together that really helps kind of, you know, pre prevent or reduce crime as best as possible. So what's actually going to happen during the training? <clears throat> How does it work? Take us in so we can visualize this. Not a problem. So this is something that was uh, coordinated obviously by myself, but then also with a lot of other head figures with our department so that everybody has like a good understanding of what we're actually putting across here. This is more set up for a preparation and information purposes. Uh, there will be some uh, the training such as we're doing like the hide run fight theory. Um, that's kind of pretty well known. And then also it's an introduction with different types of first aid equipment and everything. This is um, something where we have, well, I'll explain to actually what type of first aid training that the officers are trained with and what equipment that they use. And then that way, I mean, it's something if the establishment wants to further their training, that's something that they can do as well. And then also this is something where we're building other type of communication type other process too, such as like for them, if they feel like they really need to get a hold of us right away about something, this is something that we can try to build and create and actually get that good rapport and everything. So it's a lot of preventive measures, too, as well. Sergeant Joe Shearing from the Milwaukee Police Department. Beth Weirich joining us in studio. I, I want to ask you about where this could go. And if you've, had, if you've had connection points with some of your colleagues in Brookfield or Wauwatosa. And, Beth, if you've connected with other leaders from, from neighboring communities to try and expand this program. It's 1222 on WTMJ. We'll continue after this. Greg Mansick and Jessica Time with you. It's Wisconsin's Midday News on WTMJ. Sergeant Joe Shearing from the Milwaukee Police Department joining us in studio. Beth Weirich, CEO of the Milwaukee Business Improvement District. Talking about active shooter training. And, and Sergeant Shearing, you're talking about representing District 1. So bars, restaurant groups, downtown Milwaukee. There are certainly more districts in Milwaukee Police Department. 
And I'm wondering if there's an appetite to to grow this, whether it's in Milwaukee, whether it's neighboring communities, because some of these shootings happen in schools or churches or, you know, other areas that are out of the city of Milwaukee, if there is an appetite to potentially grow it. Well, I'm sure there is. And I know I know our, our police department has been doing that. Um, this is just where because where I'm currently assigned, I'm actually just more focused on District one for right now. Um, but I know there are other. Uh, like our fusion center, they have an actual representative that does active shooter training for other businesses uh, throughout the city and stuff, which he's also referred to in the presentation as well. So then this presentation isn't just like, here's a training, there you go, have a nice day. This is actually, okay, now this is, if you want to continue on, these are other people you can contact and expand on this training as well. How has your previous experience helped you be able to help with this active shooter training coming up at the Baird Center next week? Uh, I think it puts me in a good spot. Um, the majority of my career, um, I, before I became a sergeant, I was actually with the tactical enforcement unit, um, which is our full-time SWAT team. Um, with that, I've had a lot of training with it as an instructor, and then also got to do a lot of uh, debriefings with other jurisdiction uh, nationwide to where they would come in and they actually talk about what happened during their their uh, active shooter incidents, and then also their preventive measures that they do to try to reduce it or try to be more prepared for it. Beth, I think it's a matter of time before somebody says, hey, how did that go? How did that work? That you start to hear from other community leaders mm -hmm. about this opportunity to connect with MPD. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've been so fortunate to have such a good relationship with the police department, and they understand how important it is to provide some framework to help support our local businesses and the impact that has on the economy. And already the work that we're doing with MPD is on the radar screen of some of our sister communities that we work with, whether it's our community intervention team, our Code Red, the, the Mounted Horse Patrol, the ways in which the police department understands how important community outreach is, collaboration and public relations. This is also something that we have participated in um, uh, nighttime economy studies, best practices around the globe. And there's an organization called Responsible Hospitality Institute that convenes individuals from all over um, the globe relative to nighttime economies, the entertainment districts, and how there are best practices at every level from marketing, promotions, programming, but also proactive policing and why that engagement is really critical in building these high quality of life entertainment districts that are economic engines for all of these communities. So I, it, I think the time is already here. And Milwaukee is definitely viewed as... Pardon me. Best practices. Well, I want to thank you for what you've done to connect with MPD and Sergeant Shearing. I want to thank you for what you do every day. Thank you. In keeping our areas safe that we like to be in and be a part of in the city of Milwaukee. Thank you so much for joining us and shedding a little light on this active shooter training opportunity. Not Thanks a for this great conversation. Thank, thank you. you both. It's 1228 on WTMJ. The news is next. The Green Bay Packers Fan Hall of Fame just inducted its newest member, Dan Bogie Bogenschutz of Sheboygan, enters the esteemed group. And Bogie is here live with us in the studio this afternoon to tell us how he got in. Bogie, did I get your name right? It's a tough one. Uh, that's why a lot of people call me Bogie. Bogie. <laughs> Now, you came all Packered out, too. Not that I should be surprised here. You've got your Packers buttoned down. You came in with your Packers leather jacket on. Uh, your lovely wife has a Packers uh, zip-up fleece on. You guys are all decked out here, right? I mean, you kind of have to be to earn this distinction. Any day of the year, you will see me have probably with something with Packers on. I love it. Okay, so who got the ball rolling on this? Who actually nominated you? Uh, Jamie Yurk and Dean Klein and Amy Bueller. So it wasn't just one person. No. I love that. Yeah, there were two separate letters that were sent in, but the Packers only accepted one of them. Oh. And uh, so um, when they got together and they wrote the letter, um, I knew nothing about this at all. And when I got the email, I thought it was a scam. And I was about to just blow it away. And I had my wife come down and read it. And she started giggling and laughing. She said, it's true. I know all about it. I've been sworn to secrecy. And uh, it's for real. And then I 
she read it to me and I just broke down and it really hit me hard that somebody took the time to write a letter to the Packers to have me be nominated for the Packer Fan Hall of Fame. And what did they say in those letters? What was the heart of why they said, you know what? There's nobody better. It's got to be bogey going to the Fan <laughs> Hall of Fame. Well, I, I escort Packer trips for 36 years, and I've taken up to 320 people on a trip quite a few times with me. And uh, there's been so many people over the years that have met each other on my trips that now are very close friends. And there's even some people that met on my trips that are married right now because oh, wow. they met on my trips. I've had... Um, somebody got married on my trip without telling me they were getting married. And I've had um, people that celebrated their honeymoons on the trip. And, and we had quite a few engagements um, that were proposed on my trips. So you're the guy responsible for the Packer bars around the country being out of Miller Lite? Is that, <laughs> That's you're exactly the guy, right. Right? That, that happens, right? <laughs> when we, any of the hotels that we end up going to, I talk to them ahead of time and tell them, you better have a lot of Miller Lite. And what they do, they Smart have man. some, and they run out within hours. And they swear, the next day we'll have more. And they bring an extra case. And yeah. then they're out again. And they just cannot believe how the people in Wisconsin drink their beer like water. <laughs> <laughs> we are known for that. Okay, Bogey, so take me to that moment. How and when did you find out that you won? I didn't know until all ten, there were 10 of us that were selected by the Packers out of the hundreds of letters that were submitted, and they picked 10. And then all 10 of us were on stage at Lambeau on Monday. Um, they're from all over the country. It's not just Wisconsin. And I had no clue. People had a vote the whole month of January. They said they had 83,000 votes that Whew. were sent in. That's a lot. And they won't let me know exactly how many I had, but it sounds like... It was quite a few. And then 50% of that was the voting. The other 50% was done with the Packer organization to pick who they felt was a fan. And I was lucky enough to get picked. Okay. You know what story is even better? I love that one. But when you found out you were a finalist, where were you oh, at that you moment? Dare. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I was actually in a bubble bath. <laughs> That can be very refreshing. <laughs> yes. I was checking my emails on my cell phone. When I saw it, I was totally shocked. It was right before Christmas, and I jumped out of that tub so fast, didn't even bother grabbing a towel, and I'm running through the house looking for my wife. I found her. I gave her this big hug. She's all full of bubbles, and next thing I told her to read this, and then we both broke down crying. That is amazing. So you, more than anybody, perhaps, looking forward to the unveiling of the Packers schedule for next year, because I'm sure you yes. have trips that you want to plan. Oh, yes. Have you wrapped your mind around the idea that the Packers could be playing in Brazil? Yes, I have. And even the Packers already asked me if I'm planning on going to that. I would definitely be planning on going to that. I took a group with me to London. Wait, they Please asked you? They already asked did, did, me. Are you breaking news right now? The I'm Packers are news. opening no. next season <laughs> in Brazil? He said what you said. <laughs> If, would if they go, would you go? Uh, I said, yes, I would. We might just run with that here. <laughs> no, 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 sourced no. information, bogey. <laughs> Bogey's going overseas now. I love it. But that's incredible. Did you do London? Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, it was cool. We flew in Paris. We spent some days in Paris first, and then we took the high-speed rail over to London. We spent five days in London, and then we took um, a train over to Liverpool. Hmm. That was awesome. We spent three days there, then we went back to London for a day, then we went back to Paris for a day, and then we flew home. We were gone for 13 days. Amazing. I'll tell you, the stadium was awesome. The fans were out of this world. They were there. Every jersey in the NFL you saw at that game, because when they live over there, their teams don't come every year. So they wore their favorite jerseys, and then they pick one of the two teams that are playing. 99% of them there were, were cheering for the Packers. Yeah. And it was so cool to meeting people from all over the world, a lot of Germans. And it was really cool. We were surrounded by all these other jerseys, and the music was awesome. They had the fans going the whole game. Sad thing was the Packers didn't pull out a win. Yeah, just that. that ah, the, the way it yeah. ended, yeah. yeah. But otherwise, part. the whole experience was awesome. I've never been out of the country except Canada. So it was really cool. And I'm really hoping someday the Packers go to Germany 
with Bogenschutz being German. There I would you go. love to go to Germany, yeah. and I would Gross. love to be sure that I um, get to see the Packers there. So, so cool. What happens now? What's what's next for you? Well, I, my name will be going into the Packer Hall of Fame. It will be in there for life. I'm very, very happy about this. It's, uh, my mom and dad are not with me anymore, and I know they were looking down at that minute. Oh. And uh, my mom and dad were at the Ice Bowl game. They sat right by the end zone where the famous touchdown was, and my mom ended up getting frostbite toes from that game. Oh, no. When my mom and dad passed away, the only thing I wanted in that house was the program book from the Ice Bowl game, and I have it. That's special. It's in mint shape, and it's something that I'm always going to cherish. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's the one thing is, is what my name going into the Hall of Fame. I'm, this is, I'm so excited about that, that generations from now, my family will get to see my name in the Hall of Fame. Is this the first Hall of Fame that you're in and a part of? Yes. It, 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 even if it's the only one. Yeah, that's, this, this is, is a good the one. one. This is the one. This is a good one. Dan Bogey Bogan shoots. Congratulations, Thank and uh, we'll be waiting. That, that schedule should be out sometime uh, April, May. Probably end of April, beginning of May. There you go. And uh, then I will be busy for days and, getting flights and hotels and sightseeing and game tickets. and That's awesome. Yeah. Your I'm second really job is a travel agent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for making the trip down to, uh, from Sheboygan. Enjoy our, our fine market hall here. Grab some lunch and congrats on the honor. Thank you. Congrats, Bogey. 1246 on WTMJ. All right, so I got an update here from our texter. So I was asking about the Southwest Airlines family boarding policy. Right. Uh, and apparently I'm a rules violator. Oh! The Southwest Airlines family boarding policy suggests that children must be six years old or younger. Oh. Six years. Oh, now, now, that six. seems really young to me. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but, so that college students definitely violate. Well, that. yes. So, I mean, my daughters are seven and nine. And I, they're not going to go on to it, it. Look, we'd still be able to board the plane together, but the thought process is... If you have to board as a family outside of the family boarding time, that you may not end up sitting by each other. I usually people on the airplanes are pretty friendly and they'll move, they'll Typically, see what's going but on. Not everybody. People are like, "This is my seat, and, and, and I'm and, keeping it." Some I've of never had an issue, and I'm always thankful to make sure that families are able to sit next sure. to one another. They totally get it, totally understand. But six or under, so yes, my my thought process was accurate in suggesting that the, the college student and her sister, who was, in my opinion, two or three years younger, uh, should not have been able to board with mom at that time. They stretched family boarding to a new height. I'm not surprised it's it's not something like 12 and under, though. I mean, 6 and under? I, I, that's, agreed. That's a little young. I, I did not think we were in violation of having a 9- and 7-year-old. No. And quite frankly, I would do it again. So you got to go home and say, kids, sorry, Dad, Mom, we're rule breakers? Right. It's, it's Southwest Airlines. If you do family boarding, it's between boarding groups A and B for those keeping score at home. But yes, no, they've got stuff. Thank you to our texters for outlining the policy. I had no idea what it was, but yeah, I thought 18 <laughs> and 16 was pushing it a little bit. Oh, so, that's great. 12.51 on WTMJ. Spanning the state with Kristen Bry coming up next. We'll see what Kristen has on tap after this. Wrapping up Wisconsin's Midday News on WTMJ. Greg Matzik, Jessica Tsai with you. So my first show is in the books. You're, you're the veteran on this program. <laughs> No, I tell you what, when you have somebody new sitting next to you, even though we've done this, but only only for like a week, so um, before this, it is kind of like a whole new show again. It sure is. It sure is. <laughs> and a reminder, we stream the program on WTMJ.com. Check out our app. There's a Listen Live button you can click on very easily. There's also a Watch Live button. If you want to see what's happening in the studio, feel free to watch us live. And, of course, subscribe to the podcast here. It's available for you at WTMJ.com. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can hang out with us here at Wisconsin's Midday News.